Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. We're in this season as we begin Advent, we're going to stay in 1 Timothy. Uh, but uh, the Lord's just not given me the liberty to leave yet. But I think this, uh, that, that video we shared this morning really spoke to me. And I thought that, you know, that ties in fairly well with Advent. Uh, if we're working our way backwards. And so, please uh, focus on Christ throughout the week. Uh, don't, don't forsake any time of the year giving honor and praise to Jesus Christ, our Savior. But especially this time as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Christmas season. You know, it's not the literal birth of Jesus but it's the time of the year in which we choose to celebrate it. Um, and we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ to take his children home. And that's why we live and that is why we labor. So that as many people as possible can come to repentance. So that they will be a part of that number in the kingdom of God. My friends, I can't stress enough. It is not as much our goal to fill these pews as it is to fill the kingdom of heaven. If somebody goes to another church, that's fine. I want to encourage you guys, please be more focused on the kingdom and, and the rest will take care of itself. I promise you, God will not forsake his people. He will provide for our needs. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. Hopefully we'll get to it. We'll see how far we get on this passage today. Uh, I've got 15 minutes. Uh, but uh, if you guys will give me the liberty, I will, I'll probably preach over a little bit. Uh, if, you, uh, if you have other things that you need to do, then feel free, my friends, to go ahead and leave. I will not get offended by that. There are some preachers that would. But uh, I... I trust you. If there's a need that you need to get up and leave, then uh, that's, that's, that's your business. I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to preach until the Lord tells me to quit, though. And so, uh, so uh, you feel free to do what the Lord tells you to do. I'm going to do what He told me to do. All right? So we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We finally made it to the last chapter. And I thought, you know what, maybe I'm only going to... I, there's a sermon in these first two verses, but I'm going to spread it just a little bit. And so hopefully we'll, we'll get done before the end of the year. That's my goal. We're going to get done with this book before the end of the year. Uh, and so, uh, so we're going to do that. So let's go ahead and read 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read the first... Let's go ahead and read through verse 10, because I, I might can make it that far. We'll see. Uh, but if not, we'll just read it again. There's nothing wrong with reading the Word of God more than one time. So let's read it through verse 10, just for the sake of you having context. This is the whole idea of what he's talking about, and then we'll discuss the particulars later. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Let us... Let as many bondservants 
or your translation may just say servants, they're both the same word, as are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things, Timothy. I added Timothy in there. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare, and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That verse is probably one of the most misquoted verses in history. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. People like to say the money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says at all. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and how it chastises us, how it corrects us. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I pray that you would um, come before this congregation today and get me out of the way by whatever means is necessary. Father, I'm dependent wholeheartedly on you to get this message across. And Father, I put it in your hands because it's worth a whole lot more there. And God, I ask that you would, you would teach these people today and I give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first off, uh, last week we were talking about, um, and this is not out of context here. Um, last week we were talking about secret and public sins and good works, right? We kind of we kind of did that dual thing there. There are people that are going to be uh, they're going to be rewarded for their good in public in this present time. There are people that are going to be rewarded for their evil in this present world and time. And then the, the, ver the reverse is true. There are some that are never going to taste the gifts 
and the fruit of their labor in this world. That's, they'll be reserved in heaven. And there are some people who are not going to receive their judgment for their sins that they commit until the end of this world. The, the ancient question, right? Why does the wicked prosper? Well, they're not prospering. They're on a path to destruction. And though it may seem that way in this current world, that is not the case. And what you'll find many times is when you, when you really put them in a corner, they're not really that happy. They have all the money or all the things in this world and they're not satisfied. What it is, is Christ is the, the only satisfaction that we will find in our lives. So the main point of last week's message was put the good intentions behind your actions. Desire to do good. Don't do it for a, don't do it for a show. Make sure that you've got the right heart when you're doing good. And you'll be rewarded either privately or publicly, whichever the Lord sees fit. Let God do that. He'll do it in the way He wants to. We don't have to seek all the glory, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, that it's not based on anything I can do for myself. It's all Him. It's all glory to God. So, verses 1 through 2 here are talking about slavery. Now, there's... There's just not really very many ways to hash out this word. The word doulos is, uh, is the Greek word that is used here. It means a slave, a bondman, a man of servile condition. Now that word just means subjection. Uh, these servants... Uh, a bond servant would be cons- is the only distinction between a bond servant and a regular servant is a bond servant has been set free and has chosen to go back to his master. As Christians, we are, the term for us is we are bond servants to Jesus Christ. He has set us free and we choose to serve him because of that freedom. Uh, the servants here that he's referring to... Uh, I mean, it's slaves. Now, that's a touchy subject, isn't it? For a lot of people, it's a very touchy subject. Well, this is, this is the case. This is not condoning slavery. Paul is not saying, well, see, you can have slaves and it's, uh, it's not wrong at all to mistreat your slaves or do whatever you want, to treat another race or people group as inferior you know, this is not what Paul is condoning. This is not what Paul is saying. He's saying, if you find yourself in this position, if you are a slave, treat your master with respect and dignity, especially if he's a believer. You know, there are many believers in this world who are deceived in many ways. That doesn't mean they're not a believer. They can be swayed by false teachings, but that doesn't mean they're not Christians. You see, if somebody's pursuing God with all their heart, 
Do I not believe that God's grace is sufficient for them? There's, there is a whole period in our history where the church was deceived in this way. This passage was used to condone slavery in our past. Does that make it right? No, does not make it right. This passage is not doing that. Please don't get me wrong. Please don't be confused or say that Corbin is for slavery. That's not the case. But here's the way that Paul, and in this time period, this was extremely common, so it makes sense that he would address slavery within the church and believers who, are found, who find themselves in this position. You see, what happens in, in this time is if you owed somebody money, you were their servant. Right? If you took out a loan, well, I'm going to work for you. We just talked about Jacob in the Old Testament in Genesis. He became a servant to his father-in-law. His uncle, not his father-in-law. His eventual father-in-law. <laughs> he ended up being his father-in-law. He was a servant for 14 years because he wanted his daughter. So, that's the situation that it was in. This is just history, guys. I'm not condoning slavery, and Paul is not condoning slavery in this letter. Do not be deceived. But it's important. The best application that I can come up with in our modern day is the type of work that you do. We all, at some point in our life, have worked for someone. I work for the company Coca-Cola, the bottling company. I work for them. And in many ways, I would be considered a bond servant to them. I am a contract, contract, I cannot say that word today. I'm under contract to do these specific duties for them and then I receive payment. Now that's a, that's a contractual, contractual agreement. The best application that I can think of for this passage is how are you working for your boss? Are you, are you giving them the dignity and honor of being your boss? Or are you talking bad about them and complaining and doing all this other stuff? The way that we work, even, Paul is saying to Timothy, the way that we do our jobs is going to honor or dishonor God. Whatever you're doing in your life, whether you're prospering, whether you're free, whether you're captive or not, whatever you do in your life, seek to bring honor to God and the furthering of His kingdom. Whether you find yourself in this situation or not. Paul is encouraging the believers of the church to be hard workers. To not be lazy. Don't just get by with the bare minimum, right? Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 5. If, if, uh, if someone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. 
If they ask for your cloak, give them your tunic as well. Right? If somebody strikes you on your right cheek, offer the other side as well. This is this idea here of letting God handle the vengeance. Let God handle the way that other people deal with you. You see, it's not my place to do God's judging. Now, good grief. We're going to get some hate mail for that one, huh? How many of you guys have ever experienced this? You've had a worker, a co-worker, that all they want to do is seem like they want to grumble and complain about the stuff that they've got to get done. They spend more time grumbling and complaining about their job than they do working. Right? They end up not getting anything done because they're complaining while somebody else does their job for them. I, I, have a, I have a suspicion that that might be a, a secret trick of some people. That's the way they get out of work. They just let other people do it for them. My friends, to give honor and glory to God is to do your job well. Now, if you're working for a place that is doing evil things, that's not condoning that. No, don't get me wrong that if, if this place is, is doing something evil, do your best and pray and beg God to get you out of that situation. If you're working for a company and you disagree with what they believe and they're doing things that you strictly disagree with, by God's grace and by His strength, leave. And trust that God will provide something else for you. Now that's, that's a difficult thing to say when you've got a family, isn't it? That's a difficult thing to say when, when that's the only job you got. That was, that was what might be considered impossible for a servant. God, I, I, I don't want to work for this master who's doing these evil things. But I can't leave other than dying. God, can you provide a way? And you know what? God will. Put your faith in God. Not in man. If you find yourself in this position, trust him. He'll provide. We don't serve money as believers. We don't serve money. We serve God. And, not, and the, the young lions, they suffer want and hunger, right? But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. That's Psalm chapter 34, in case you were wondering. That's not just Corbin speaking, that's the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said this, consider the lilies. They don't toil or work. 
But even King Solomon was not arrayed in such beauty. Are the little sparrows that fall? Not one of them falls without him noticing. Friends, we can trust God in any and every circumstance that we may find ourselves in. You can. Now, if you're doing your diligence to do this, to labor and give honor and do good work. Now, I'm not promoting laziness. Jesus is not promoting laziness. Paul is not promoting laziness. See the flowers? They don't do anything. Go out there and sit in the grass and, and let God just pour his blessings on you. God is a, the same God that said that also said, if you don't work, you don't eat. You live by the labor of your hands. That's what we are required to do. But if you do all diligence to bring honor and glory to God with the work that you do, God will provide for you a place to bring honor and glory to his name in the work that you do. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're hating your job, give it to God. Let him take care of it. And here's what will happen. Either he'll give you a new one or he'll give you a newfound love for that job. He, he, can either, he can either change your mindset about the job or he'll give you a different one or a better one. I didn't write this with anybody in mind. It just occurred to me that I, I had a conversation just a couple of weeks ago about something similar to this, and I did not write this sermon because of that. It's amazing that the Lord does, isn't it? I'm just walking through the book of the Bible, and he'll, he'll put some application in there. That's great. Here's what it means at the workplace. We've already talked about somebody complaining about their job, somebody who's angry all the time. It's never their fault, right? Those people, it's never their fault that something's going on. I'm the only one that ever does anything around here. How many of you ever heard that? <laughs> Those people, now I don't want to call anybody out here. The people that say that nobody ever does anything around here are usually the ones who, when somebody tries to help, they're like, hang on, let me, let me take care of that. Right? Nobody else can do it right. I'm guilty of that. Well, I may as well just do it myself because it ain't going to get done right anyway. That's why you don't get any help because they can't ever do it good enough for you and you end up going behind them. Fixing it. I'm not calling anybody out. I don't know what's going on with you guys, so don't don't come at me like, "What are you talking about, me?" And uh, don't be those people. Let God be unique. Let God be creative in the things that He seeks to accomplish. Let God. 
get you through these trials or these things that you may be going through. Give it to him. God, I've got 20 pallets coming in. This is for me. I've got 20 pallets coming in tomorrow. And then I've got Asher's doctor appointment. How am I going to get done in time? Well, Corbin, if you wake up when your first alarm goes off. <laughs> right? We are so quick to judge other... or Not judge. We're so quick to say that it's somebody else's fault. Well, well, Corbin, if you had the discipline to not go back to bed and snooze for another 15, 20 minutes, hey, your job would get done. Now let's take it to another level. Let's say I wake up on time and I'm still overwhelmed. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's, or, or the situation where that I'm, I'm overwhelmed in life and I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. That's the first response of every Christian should be. God, I don't know what to do. I need help. Can you get me through this? I prayed that prayer one time and you know what happened? The unthinkable happened. The unthinkable happened. The guy that I was complaining about came to help me. The guy I was complaining about, he never does his job. I just wish, you know, the people that, are, that cover my off days, I'm always complaining about that. I'm guilty of that. I can't take any days off. Because if when I leave, I come back and I've got twice the work to do, right? Now, in some situations, that is the case, you know. Because there, there was a time last week in which nobody even came in to cover my day off. So I ended up having to do twice the work. But you know what? God, By God's grace, I still got home. And my manager, out of the kindness of his heart, he said, hey, I know nobody came in yesterday. Here's an extra 100 bucks. Right. That put me in my place. You see, God has a way of providing things. And he's working it all out before we even ask. If we put it into his hands instead of putting it in our own. But the specific time in work when I was complaining about people on my off days not doing anything. And then the very person that I was complaining about, God sent him. And he came and helped me and I got done on time, you know. I was overwhelmed. And you know why he did that? He did it for two reasons. He said, Corbin, stop complaining and do your job. It's not that bad. Secondly, this guy that you're complaining about is just doing his job too. Maybe he was overwhelmed. Maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe he did. Maybe he was sick. Right? I'm so quick to, to project these things on other people. Well, he just didn't do anything. He just loafed around. Well, I don't know how many pallets he got in. 
I don't know what else he had to do for the day. He's married. I don't know if his wife was sick or if he was dealing with something at home. You see, we're so quick to think these things and God put me in my place in that time. He said, you know what? Just let me have it. Let me handle the judgment. Let me handle the situation here. I will repay it, says the Lord. Here's what you do, son. Do your job. I'll take care of the rest. Give honor to God. I'll take care of the rest. Do your best. There was a, uh, there was a, there was a little statue that mom always had and it was sitting on her desk. I'll never forget it. I'll just have that picture in my mind. It was a little cake and it was like this little bear was holding a cake and it was like lopsided. And it had written on the cake, it said, do your best and God will do the rest. You see, the looks may not have been the best, but I'm sure that cake tasted pretty good. I always thought that, you know. I'm sure there was a time when I was very little that I tried it, but I didn't. I don't know about that. I don't know how long mom had it, but I, it's very fond in my memory. As long as I can remember back, it was there, sitting on whatever desk she may have had. So do your best, and God will do the rest. Man, if we could just get a hold of that in the church. If we could just wrap our minds around, who am I serving? I'm not serving these people. I'm serving God. And I see you guys looking at that flickering light. I changed it last week and it's still not better. Honor God in your work. So here's the big question here at the end of all this. Are you honoring God with yours? Are you honoring God with the work that you do? When people come behind you and see what you've done, do they say, wow, that person really works hard? Or do they say, man, that person's pretty sloppy. I'm not, once again, I'm not calling anybody out. I don't know. God might be calling somebody out. I don't know. Now this, I really want to insert this in here. I know I'm getting short on time, guys. This doesn't mean you look over unjust leadership. I want to reiterate that. This does not mean you condone unjust leadership. If something is evil in the place that you are working, talk to the right people. Don't complain to your friends. Tell your manager, hey, I disagree with this company practice. Is there any way that we can change that? Talk to the boss. Pray about it. Say, God, I just really, you know, and, and in our training, I don't know about y'all's training, in our training, they encourage us to do that. If there is a practice that we are committing as a company that you don't have, you have trouble with, please talk to us about it. 
I like that kind of company that's willing to say, hey, if, we, if you've got a problem, tell us about it. You know? And they might fire you over it, but that's God's hands, right? Hey, guess what? You're free from that company. <laughs> you don't have to do it anymore. Trust the Lord with whatever you put your hands to. Talk to the right people. Don't just complain about it to your friends. Talk to the people that can actually make a difference. Talk to God and talk to, the, talk to your superior. So often we do that in the church, right? We sit around and we complain to everybody who can't do anything about it. We never talk to the man or the woman who's causing the problem. And then we wonder why so many people are leaving the church. Let's be honest with one another. Let's be honest with God. Be diligent to do the labor that he's called us to. And do our best. And let God handle the growth. What does it say? Paul said, all watered, Apollos planted, and God gave the increase. They did the work, the labor, and God said, I'm going to make it grow. Don't get it reversed. They didn't grow so then they could plant and then they could water. They planted. And these plants don't just grow up overnight. They watered it. How many times have we talked about that? I talked about that in the parable of the sower. You can't keep digging up the seed to see if it's growing or not. You've just got to be faithful and trust. I threw some potatoes in the ground earlier this year and I didn't dig up the potatoes every time. Every week I watered it and I made sure the soil was, I was supposed to make sure the soil was, comp, uh, was loose around them. My friend assures me they're still out there. I just ain't got the courage to dig a hole in my yard because the grass has grown over top of them. <laughs> Why? If I want the fruit of the labor, if I want the fruit of the labor that I put forth by planting those potatoes and watering them, I'm going to have to do the work to dig it up. In the right time. Now, if I wait till next year, there's not a big chance that they're going to be there. Why? Because it's already rotten. I've let it go too long. But there's still a chance. And there's people that God has placed in your life that you've been neglecting. But there's still a chance. But before it's too late, dig the potatoes. Take the opportunity and dig the potatoes. Well, once again, 
No, I'm just going to leave that where it lies. How about that? I got told one time I, I asked for forgiveness too much. I need to just preach and let it go. There's something I struggle with. That's my people pleaser in me trying to come back up. That's what God says. I don't know who it is, but you need to dig up your potatoes. Honor God in your work. Trust Him to take care of the rest. He says here, this is, this is from verses 3 on to verse 5, and we'll bleed into verse 6. I think you guys are going to get out by 1230, if you're worried about that. I don't know. He's talking about all the people that are grumbling and complaining about the work, right? They're, they're having a hard time, right? He encourages us not to be like those people. Why? Because those people aren't content. They're never happy. A grumbler is never going to be happy. A complainer is never going to be happy. When, when the situation changes, they'll find something else. This is a prime example in my, in my work. They, there's people that's been complaining and complaining and complaining about the system that we currently have in our work. The way that it works. I'm so sick and tired of it. And, uh, and then they... Company. They, they're right people complaining to the right people. And they, they decided... The company decided they were going to make a change. In favor of the people that were grumbling and complaining. And guess what, guys? They found something else to complain about. Now they're complaining about the new system. Well, you were just mad about this old one. Those type of people, my friends, are not going to be satisfied ever. Please strive to not be that way. Strive to be content with what God's given you. And he just might, just might give you something else. That's, that's, that's been probably one of the biggest things in my life that God has been working on. Corbin, be grateful for what you have. Because I gave those things to you. Corbin, when it, when it comes to the place in your life where you're grateful for the breath that you breathe again. God, every breath that I breathe, thank you. Every step that I take, thank you, God. Do we really give honor to God for everything that's going on in our life? Or are we just loping around? My friends, there is a plethora of things that God has provided for us that we don't even think about thanking God for, let alone thanking Him. My friends, God is so good. 
God is so good. Paul says avoid hanging around people like this. The grumblers, the complainers, the ones who are never satisfied. And especially the ones who are seeking what they can get out of salvation as opposed to what they can give. You see, so many times, and this is this, I'm gonna quote Keith Green again. Here I go. He said, one of the problems that he that we see in the gospel is these people try to present the gospel like door-to-door salesmen. Like, here's what God can do for you if you accept this one-time offer, right? But the sale's gonna run out shortly. encourages us to seek the opposite of what's going to be happening. What can I do for God? Because he's already given me everything. I was Barabbas. He set me free and I didn't know why. But then I found it. He gave me a purpose. He gave me hope. He's my oxygen. I can't live without him. So here's the key as I've talked to you for about 45 minutes. Trust God's plan in your life. He'll bring it together. He'll give you the energy to do what he's called you to do. I've trusted him with this message. I didn't know if I was going to be doing it. But by the strength of God, it happened. You know what that tells me, guys? That tells me that this is important. It tells me this is something that's a big deal that we need to be talking about and thinking about. Verse 6 tells us why. Godliness with contentment is great gain. If you want success in life, if you want to experience the goodness, the fruit, the lusciousness of God's glory, thank Him for what you got. He says later on here, and we'll preach on this next week. How about that? Unless the Lord changes my mind. He does that too. Paul said, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Man. That verse kicked me in the gut. How much more do I want? What more do you want, Corbin? I've already given you the world. (laughs) 
My friends, I don't know where your faith is today. I'm not saying that it's non-existent. I'm just saying, where is your faith? Who did you put your faith in? I don't know where you're at today. I've got an idea based on conversations that I have with you. I'd like to think that I know you personally. But I don't know you. There's things in your life that you may deal, be dealing with that you're trying to keep it in your own hands. Put it in God's hands. And that's a lot easier said than done. It's a whole lot easier to say it than to do it. But pray, trust Him. Because I promise you, the trying of your faith will bring goodness. The trials that you are going through will bring fruit. God will provide what you need when you need it. No sooner, no later. When you need it. That makes me think of Lazarus in the tomb. The things that he was doing prevented him from going to see his friends and family as they were mourning the loss of Lazarus. So here he comes three days later. They thought he was late. Even Mary said, if you'd been here, he would have, he would have made it. But he said, take me to the place. Show me. And what did he do? He got there. And he wept. Don't tell me that Christ, my God, was not touched with our infirmities and the pain and the struggle that you might be going through. He is. It says he wept. That wept is, is not a, is a small word, but I don't know about you, but all the men in here can agree with me. It does, it's not some small thing for a guy to just start weeping. Now, some I know some guys would cry at the drop of a hat, but for me personally, it's, it's, it takes a lot because I've been hardened by the world around me. Jesus' heart was not hard. He wept. And he felt that pain. And then he said, open the door. <laughs> they thought he was late, but he was right on time, right? This has happened so that God could receive the glory. There ain't no other way this is going to happen, my friends. This is how God receives his glory. 
when, what is the McCamey's, I believe they sing that song, God likes to work when nothing else will. <laughs> Friends, trust in God. I promise you, be faithful. Praise his name. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him honor. Because it's due him. And like we said last week, he doesn't owe you any goodness or happiness. He gives it to us anyway. I've got clothes on my back and I've got shoes on my feet and I've got a whole lot more than that. And food in my stomach. God's, God's not just blessed me a little bit. He's blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. I didn't even think this was possible. God. You've given me <laughs> pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing more than I could even ask for. God has blessed us, my friends. And we dare ask Him for more. Trust Him. Trust Him. Now before I start preaching again, we may as well come on up and have a song of invitation. If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. We also have a website. Check us out at westendfwbchurch.com. Hi guys, Pastor Corbin here with a uh, quick postscript. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days, not three days. He was not Jesus. Uh, I just wanted to make that clear. All right, thank you guys for listening.